0: Thank you. Church, welcome. So glad you are here in this sanctuary. Glad you are joining us at home. I pray that this day finds you at peace. And if it doesn't, I pray that it will find peace. You will find peace for a little while here. Settle your hearts, settle your minds, focus on him. Let's go to the word from Psalms 86. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, O Lord. And I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Grant me Grant your strength to your servant and save the son of your maidservant. Give me a sign of your goodness that my enemies may see it and be put to shame. For you, O Lord, have helped me and comforted me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that your comfort would fill this place. For those who find themselves, Lord God, in a place of needing your, your presence in their life, Lord God, I, I pray that you would be with them, that you would be their comfort, that you would be their strength, Father God. Father, be in this place, Lord God, may each person that enters, for those sitting at home, Lord God, that are joining us, that you would bless them with your presence, your peace, your love. May we take this time to lift your name, Lord God. In our song, in the word, may you be glorified in each and every heart here. We love you, Lord. May this be an extension of our love to you. In your name we pray. Amen. If you could stand with me and recite the creed, I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, in Christ's universal church, the communion of all believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's worship.
1: Good morning, everyone. But
2: Jesus, I sing for all you've done for me.
1: See you here. Good morning to you online. Glad that you're joined us this morning. It's a wonderful day to be in the Lord's house. Amen. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord with him at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Lord, we praise You because You are wisdom, and because You share Yourself and Your wisdom with us. We praise You for being at our right hand, and we gladly put our confidence into You, knowing that You always have our best interests at heart, regardless of any circumstances. We praise Your Son Jesus for redeeming us and for Your Holy Spirit who indwells us and guides us through our journey. You, our three-in-one, are worthy of all praise. Even in our praise, we are mindful that we have done things which are wrong, and we've admitted to do things which were right for us to do. Forgive us, Lord. Lead us not into temptation, O Lord, but deliver us from the schemes of the evil one. Cleanse us and sanctify us with your Spirit. Hide your words in our hearts and minds that we might not sin against you. We thank you again for the undeserved mercy shown to us through Christ's sacrifice. We thank you for the grace given to us that we might be saved through faith and for your continued grace in which we stand. We thank you for being who you are. We thank you for your provision and for your great promises. And we thank you especially this morning that even when we are faithless, you always remain faithful to us. We ask you to hear our petitions, Lord. For those who need healing, we ask for a touch from the Holy Spirit in their bodies. For those who have doubts this morning, we ask for your Spirit to give clarity of thought and assurance that you never leave us or forsake us. For those going through a dark period in their lives, illuminate their path and shine your light of love on them. And for those who have strayed from you, Lord, Please show them the path and welcome them in your arms of love. Lord, we pray for revival here in our church body. We ask you to pour out your spirit on us and to empower us so that we may have an impact and a saving influence on those who do not know you as Lord and Savior. We ask you to help us shine your light brightly in our community in order to draw people to Jesus Christ. Lord, once again, our prayer goes out for our pastor this morning as he is in the Holy Land and and in Turkey and in Greece. We pray that you would give him good health and that you would safely bring him back this week. Bless now the remainder of this service and give us ears to hear and hearts and minds to receive what your spirit is saying to us this day through the ministry of the word. And once again, as we participate in your holy meal, help us not to regard it as just another ritual. And let us be reminded of your broken body and your blood shed for our benefits. All of these things we ask in the name of your son, Jesus, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please greet someone and welcome them this morning. Those of you who are online, you can send messages to each other.
3: I get to do announcements this morning, so sorry. (laughs) Okay, the first announcement I'm supposed to say is about the connection card. If you are new here, fill it out. We would like to get to know some information about you, and then you can bring that to the information center, and you will get a gift. I mean, who doesn't want a gift? If you want the gift but you don't want to tell us about yourself, Say that I said you could get a gift, even though you don't fill it out. That's fine. Um, you can also scan the QR code and fill it out online. Um, VBS is coming, and you can tell because it's—you see the signs of VBS throughout the church, and it's awesome. So um, you can sign up through our website. It's out of this world, David said. <laughs> so you could sign up through the website. It's um, just an amazing week. And if you're having trouble inviting somebody or you're thinking of a new way to invite somebody, I was talking to Laura about this this week, um, it's actually really easy for me because talking, every mom here knows, like when you have to do something with your kids for the summer, it's very stressful and paying for like camps is expensive. And so it always comes up, what are you doing with your kids for the summer? Um, This and that, and I always say, Week at VBS, it's amazing, so that's just a little tip on what I do. Uh, I talk about my kids going to VBS and how amazing that is. It's a full week of entertainment for them, and they learn about Jesus. Um, July 2nd is the last day to drop off your donated items to Mission Control. If you have picked up some items to donate for VBS, Mission Control is in the back, and July 2nd is the last day to drop them off. Um, child dedication is next week, so you need to sign up today. If you are interested in having your child dedicated, you must sign up for this. Um, And there's information at the Information Center. Jess will be back there after church. So today you need to sign up. Um, Oh, and you can also sign up through the QR code, but there is a sign-up sheet, and she'll give you more information on that. And lastly, um, we're just going to take a moment and highlight the food pantry. It's something that we do here at Faith Discovery Church for the community and it's absolutely amazing. The food pantry um, serves over 40 families a week, I think was the last total that I heard. And I think about what if that was my family in need of food and people, you know, we get to serve them and we get to help them. you know, mission is our mindset, and so they way that we can outreach and serve. So if you want to get involved in the food pantry, you can go to the information center. You could see Pat if you have any, you know, desire to serve. Um, and also, it's because of your giving. So thank you. There are four ways that you can give here. They are on the screen because I don't have them in my notes. So text, check, online. So all of those ways and all of that goes to the ministries that we have here at the church, like the food pantry, like VBS. Um, So thank you so much for that. And we are going to sing one more song. Are we going to sing one more song? Yes. Good
0: morning, everyone, again. I invite you to stand as we continue in worship. I was reminded this morning that when I am weak, I am strong because it doesn't depend on me doesn't depend on you we have a lord that is stronger than anything we can imagine it it, it goes beyond description sometimes we feel like we have to push on through this morning i woke up and i decided i'm just going to let go and i recommend you do the same just let go let god thank you jesus
4: Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to open Scripture together. We have worshipped, and now we ask that you would give us hearts and minds to engage with your Spirit in a way that lets us know the voice of the great I Am speaking to us, small and finite though we are. We ask, Lord, that your will would be accomplished in us, and that you would help us to say yes on a consistent basis to your will. We ask this in Jesus name and God's people said you may be seated kids. You can be dismissed to Children's Church. Thank you, Children's Church leaders. We so appreciate your work. I am glad that you are here today. Uh, Tom prayed for us at prayer time or prayed with us at prayer time for our pastor. I do hope that you have been praying for him as he makes his journey in the footsteps of Paul with his seminary class. He will be back on Wednesday. And uh, I'm so thankful he will be back on Wednesday. It's been a privilege to share with you this morning. Last uh, this week, last Sunday, we went to the Old Testament story of Daniel. We will be doing that again today, attempting to start a conversation about living as God's person in a hostile culture. We learned that as a teen, Daniel was taken from Jerusalem. To Babylon, where he was trained to serve in the king's court, he never wavered from his commitment. I love the word resolved. He never wavered from his commitment to the living God in spite of great pressure to conform. And God granted him wisdom and influence. A major theme of the book of Daniel is this. And if you're following on your notes, here's your first fill in the blanks if you are doing that today. Major theme of the book of Daniel is the fact of God's rule that his plans will always prevail, that he is actively shaping the world to his purposes. I do not know if you're familiar in the fullness of the book of Daniel, but the first six chapters are biographical, basically. They tell us the story of Daniel and his friends, underlining again and again and again in the circumstances of their lives that God is in control. And then when you get to the seventh chapter, all of a sudden the lens widens, and Daniel becomes a prophet of those things that were yet to come, to give the people of God then hope, and also, as we look back at it, to give us hope, to help us to understand that He is the God of the universe and that His plans prevail. That's not always obvious in our lives, is it? How many of you have ever been confused about the will of God? How many of you are asleep and you don't really care? There we go. Okay. Who among us has not had to wrestle with circumstances that made it seem to us that God has forgotten us or that somehow he has lost control of our world. I don't know about you. Maybe it's spiritual pride in my life. And if so, then you forgive me and God forgive me. But I like to think that if we're one of the good guys, that life will go well. Don't you? You know, if I'm playing on the right team, doing the right things, that somehow everything will go well, that life will be smooth sailing and it doesn't always work out that way. I don't know all the stories in this room, but I know everyone here has one. Maybe your story is one of prayers that seem unanswered for wayward children who have wandered away from God in spite of your efforts to raise them in a godly way. Perhaps You are wrestling with faithfulness in your use of spiritual gifts and your calling because it seems that the rewards are so few that the return on your work is next to non-existent. You're saying, well, I thought if we planted seeds that they had a harvest what's happened here. So many things can cause us to doubt. Prolonged illness, unhappy marriage, abandonment by friends and family because we have confessed Christ as Lord. It may even be a much more internal struggle. As I talk to believers these days, I'm not sure why. I I don't know if it's the spirit of the age. I don't know if the culture we live in. I really don't understand the root causes of it all. But I can tell you that more than any time in four decades of ministry, as I talk to individual believers, I find them struggling with doubt, struggling to hold on to a commitment to Jesus Christ, questioning. Questioning fate that they may have held on to for years and years and years and suddenly it seems as though prayer and church worship and spiritual disciplines are leaving them feeling unfulfilled and they say to me, Pastor Jerry, I just don't know if I can hang in there. If I'm talking to you, I don't want you to be discouraged this morning. I want you to know God is in control. That's the baseline of this message is that a pretty simple message. Yes, it is. You know my own story. It's pretty familiar to you, and I won't bore you by repeating it, but it's been one of pain and struggle through the last decade, loss, death, disappointment, in spite of some wonderful friends and an amazing church that I served and my own great kids. Between the years of 2010 and the year 2015, I went through a time of struggle and spiritual difficulty and depression like I have never experienced in my entire life the book of Daniel at that time, that's why I'm speaking to you from Daniel, the book of Daniel at that time took a place in my heart. Those Sunday school lessons that I learned as a child took new meaning to me. They weren't just neat stories that I saw on flannel graph. How many of you know what flannel graph is? Yeah, like three of you. That's the little punch-out figures that had flannel on the back that your Sunday school teacher stuck on a flannel board. Nobody does that anymore, but... Uh, They went from being flannel graph stories I learned in Sunday school to to lessons in faith that said, Jerry, you can stand firm. And so it is my prayer that you will be encouraged by our text today as well. Let's go to Daniel chapter 6. We find him serving after two major changes in the empire. Nebuchadnezzar, the king who had been the captor has died a successor retained daniel's advisor and that successor had been overcome by the persians who had conquered the empire and daniel's service was so important he remained in the court even of the new king this once captive of jerusalem now was a high official of the king in fact The Bible tells us this in Daniel chapter 6. Daniel proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and princes. And because, verse 3, and because of his great ability, the king made plans to put him over the entire empire. And then the narrative shifts. Life never stays exactly the same. How many of you know that? Yeah. Yeah. You can be winning today and facing a dark, high brick wall tomorrow. It's a long text. I know it's poor preaching form to read lots and lots of Scripture, but, hey, I'm retired, so I can preach poorly. Here we go. (laughs) I don't have to earn my salary anymore. How's that, Walter? That's so negative, isn't it? Daniel Daniel chapter 6 Verse 4, and we need to read the entire story. That's why I'm going to read a long passage. Daniel chapter 6, verse 4, and it says this, and why didn't I bring my large print? No, it doesn't say that in my Bible, but it's very small. When Daniel was prepared to be appointed over the entire empire, at this, the administrators and the satraps, the princes that is, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, But they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, "O King Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce a decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O king, issue the decree and put it into writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where his windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. And so they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days anyone who prays to any God or man except to you, O king, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles of Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And when the king heard this, He was greatly distressed, for he was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to the king and said, Remember, O king, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. Verse 16, So the king gave the order. They brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. And the king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den, and when he came near the den, he called out to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God. Has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lion, and they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in your sight. Nor have have I ever done anything wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed, gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den, and when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God." What a story. God is in control. In chapter 3 of this book, there's another dramatic story, which I will certainly not read to you, but hopefully it's familiar to you. Daniel's Hebrew friends, whom we know in that chapter by their Babylonian name, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were thrown into a fiery furnace because they refused the king's order to kneel down and Worship the image of the king. Their famed reply to the king is a powerful statement of faith. I love this particular passage from Daniel 3.17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. I love the next phrase. But even if he doesn't. Even if God doesn't act as we think that he should act, your majesty can be sure that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. That's not a statement of arrogance. That's not a statement of triumphalism. That is a statement that reflects their faith, that sees beyond the moment their lives of testimony of their love and devotion to the living God. And the Bible goes on to tell us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace, and then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. And he said, look, I see four men walking in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods, a divine being. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the open blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the living most high God, come out and come here. And they found that the fire had not harmed their, body, harmed their body, nor was the hair of their head singed, and their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. And there's a story that I just read to you. A conspiracy was formed to eliminate Daniel from his place of power. Jealousy made 120 nobles murderous in intent, but he was so upright that the Bible tells us, flip the slide if you would, that there was no way to charge him with corruption or disloyalty or negligence. What a testimony. There was no way to tear him down. Except. Except said if we can conspire and find a way to use his devotion against him wouldn't that be a wonderful thing if they said of you and me those who would oppose our faith the only way that we can bring that guy down is to find a way to use his faith against him we can't accuse him of being lazy we can't accuse him of a lack of integrity we certainly can't accuse him of any kind of lack of competence, so we will have to use his faith against him. That's exactly what they did. Peter expresses it this way. He said, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you, so don't be afraid and don't worry. Instead, worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if you are asked about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it, but do it in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak evil against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. These conspirators were convinced that the only way to get to Daniel was to get their king to sign a decree that anyone other than that any god or person could not be requested of any favor except he himself now i don't really understand that full decree we don't really have a glimpse into what It was that brought that about, but apparently it was an appeal to his vanity and they somehow probably made a case around that appeal that the way that we get Darius to consolidate his power and so that people will realize his greatness is to basically deify him. That would be my guess, but whatever their reasoning that they used and whatever the framework of the argument, their primary aim, as we learn from scripture, was to get Daniel. When the choice is offered to you to cut ethical, ethical corners at your place of work, is the integrity of your life so well known because of Christ Jesus that you're eliminated from the loop? They don't share the plan with you. So they realize that you will not just go along to get along. Is it fun to be shut out? Nope. Is it great to be out of the loop, so to speak? No. But it is God-honoring when it is because we have a a stellar integrity as a result of our commitment to Jesus Christ. When your friends plan to go to some questionable place of entertainment after work, I hope your Christianity is so obvious that they don't even invite you. I have a friend that that happened to him repeatedly, for which he was glad. Eventually he had to leave his place of employment because they said that he wasn't a good guy. He didn't go along with the guys to do the things that they were doing when they went to drink in the strip clubs on Friday night. I want you to notice that when Daniel was confronted with this conspiracy, he didn't sound the trumpets, go out into the street or send an announcement. Hey, I'm going to pray. I love what it says in this 10th verse. When Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upper room with the windows open toward Jerusalem. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to God. just as he had always done. There is no replacement for consistency in the life of the believer. One of the worst things for a Christian testimony is up this week, down the next. Committed to Christ this week, not so committed the next week. Sounding the trumpets about all of your convictions and commitment and then somehow losing sight of them the next month. Daniel heard the law had been signed and the Bible says he did what he has always done. They counted on his commitment to condemn him. (laughs) Now, let's be careful about something here because some of the worst parts of religion. Involve public performance trying to make a good impression and that choice will almost always lead to hypocrisy you realize that one of the surest ways to become inauthentic is to set your sights on the people around you and try to please them impress them make them believe that you are more devout than perhaps you actually are. Jesus plainly warns us about that. He says, Our best prayers are prayed in private rooms, not on street corners. Our best generosity is practiced out of public sight, away from the temptation of recognition. Here's how he says it in Matthew 6 Take care. Don't do your deeds publicly to be Admired, because then you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as hypocrites do. Don't blow trumpets in the synagogues and streets, calling attention to your acts of charity. I assure you, you have received all the rewards you will ever get. But when you give to someone, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in secret, and your Father, who knows all in secret, will reward you. And now about prayer. When you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that all the reward they will ever get is there. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the doors behind you. Pray to your father secretly. And your father who knows all secrets will reward you. By the way, this is not about being a secret disciple. It's not about hiding your light. It's not about... Saying, well, I'll never let anyone know of my commitment to Christ. No, that's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about your focus, just like Daniel. That your focus will be committed Christian living regardless of your circumstances. That you will be the same person on Sunday. And Monday that you will be the same person at home as you are at work, that you will be the same person on Friday night as you are on Sunday morning, that there is a consistency in your behavior because Christ is equally Lord of all days. Daniel was not a secret disciple. Everybody knew about his commitment, but his commitment had nothing to do with their admiration and approval. His commitment was based on his focus of the living God. Is yours? And I suggest if we're looking around, hoping that other people notice our faith, taking note of how they are responding to the things that we are allegedly doing for Jesus, that we are in grave danger of pretending to be better than we actually are. Now, if I were writing the story of Daniel and the lion's den, this is where I would probably change the plot line. When Daniel went in his room to pray every day, if I were writing the story, I would probably say the princes saw the sincerity of David and they looked at him and they said, how in the world could we turn this guy in? I mean, he's such a great guy. Doesn't that make sense to you? Or, or maybe you're more into the supernatural. So maybe if you were writing the story or I were writing the story, we would have an angel show up and where he was kneeling in that window, there'd be an angel with a blazing sword in his hand that had a word and said to the princes, you attack this guy, you're dead. Don't you wish God always worked that way? Come on, be honest. Don't you wish that God just showed up? Sometimes that happens. But most of the time, God walks through the ordeal with us and the challenges that come our way. I'm going to say something you may not like. You may even disagree with it, and that's fine. I think as Christians, we waste an inordinate amount of time and prayer asking God to keep us out of trouble than to keep us faithful in it. We beg God for safe. We beg God for easy. We beg God for uncomplicated. You say, well, what's wrong with that? I suppose there's nothing wrong with it. But but there's something that happens when we live an uncomplicated, easy, unchallenged life. We get soft. You know, I, I got this way not because I work hard every day. You know, I developed this because I like blizzards at Dairy Queen. And I hate sweat. I do. You know that. Those of you who I pastored for many years, have made many jokes about that. I despise sweat. I'm not lazy. I just don't like the sweat. However, I'm discovering something. My 68th birthday is two weeks away. I am losing muscle mass, and it's really bothering me. Yeah. I work for the funeral home, as you may know. Yesterday we had someone who passed away who was Shall I say elegantly rather large? And the pallbearers were rather old. That's why I can't move very well this morning. I had to hoist one into that oak uh, oak casket to load them into the hearse. And I became acutely aware that I am losing muscle mass as a result of reduced activity. So when I shared that with my boys, my son, Sean, reminds me, Dad, that's why there are gems." And all God's people said, no, keep it to yourself. Silly illustration, but exactly the same thing is true in our spiritual life. Without challenge, without pushing ourselves beyond what is safe, Without taking up our commitment to Christ in a way that is often uncomfortable, our faith gets flabby, our prayers become empty and rote and ritual, our earnestness with God loses its edge. But when we are in the middle of those circumstances that are difficult, We find ourselves crying out to God earnestly, especially if we take Jesus' counsel and find ourselves in our private prayer closet. Because there you can get really, really real with God. The cost of Daniel's faithfulness was great. We read the story, we read it from beginning to end in 14 verses and we say, well, that's great. But Daniel thought he was probably going to die. Daniel didn't have any idea that the angel was going to show up and close the mouths of the lion. He thought when they tossed him in there, it was the end. The king probably had a little more expectation for Daniel than he did for himself. We read in that 16th verse, the king said, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. There are some Christians who mistakenly see suffering as an evidence of a faulty or inadequate faith. That's not true. Not true at all. There's so many examples throughout the Scripture of those who suffered in spite of, or sometimes even because of, their faith and integrity. And Daniel's one of them. Another is one of my heroes in the Bible. His name is Joseph. I hope you know his story. Joseph became a slave when his own brothers hated him and sold him into slavery. He became the manager of the household in Egypt where he had been sold because of his competence. Only a few years later to be accused of sexual assault by the master's wife who tried to seduce him and he refused her advances and he ended up thrown in prison. In prison, because of his competence and his faith, he rose to become a trustee. And he's caring for the prison and he helps some guys out. And he and says, please remember me to the king when you get out of here. They promptly get out. Well, one of them dies, the other one gets out. And they promptly forget about him, forget all about him. In all, if we understand the chronology of Scripture, Joseph spent approximately 20 years between being sold into a slave and rising to the household of Pharaoh. Would your faith survive 20 years in the darkness? Eventually, those same brothers who sold Joseph into slavery stand before him seeking food during a famine. They had no idea that the prince of Egypt is their brother that they sold decades before. Listen to his statement of faith. This is a good one to commit to memory. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. He said, this is the one thing I never doubted. God is in control. The episode in Daniel's life ends with a dramatic turn. The Bible tells us the king spent a sleepless night over the fate of his friend and he showed up at the morning in the morning at the den of lions, which evidences some faith. and he finds Daniel alive and well, and the Bible says he was overjoyed. My friend, here's what I can tell you: there is victory guaranteed for you in the end. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month. It may not be next year. But God's will prevails. God's people emerge victorious. Heaven is the great reversal. The last shall be first. Thank you for believing in it, sister. But in this world, you may walk the same pathway as we find in Hebrews 11 for the second half of that chapter. In the first half, we see great faith stories of great resolve. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Samuel, David, and the prophets. And then the chapter reminds us of the blood of the martyrs. It says this on the slide. Some faced jeers and flogging while others were chained and put into prison they were stoned and cut in two and put to death by the sword. And they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. And they were all commended for their faith, but none of them received what had been promised. In this world, that may be your experience. You've heard me speak of one of my modern heroes, a modern martyr. His name is Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was only in his late 30s. And on that January day in 1955, his friends finally believed that the time had come to reach out to a primitive Amazonian tribe, the Wairani people. They had planned, they had reached out, they had laid a foundation they said, I think it's time. These people will now receive us. They've received our gifts from the air. They've heard us speaking to them from the airplane. The Wairani, by the way, were known as bloodthirsty people. They had killed every European and white person. They had ventured into the jungles without protection. And so those men landed their little Piper Cub on the beach and waited for the tribal people to come. And several did, and all seemed well. And then if you know the story, The tribal people emerged from the jungle with their spears and killed each of the missionaries, men who, in spite of being armed, refused to defend themselves. You say, that's a horrible story. No. From their blood sprang a vital church among the Wairani people, as well as an inspiration in the late 50s for thousands upon thousands of people in the Western world to embrace missionary service. Oh, even at the time, if you read some of the contemporary news stories from the 50s, you will see some, many, in fact, mock their choice as foolish, other criticize their effort as misguided. But only God in eternity knows the rich reward of lives cut too short in our estimation. So there's the question. Will you stand steady? Will you live with integrity in the hard times, in the disappointing times, when pressures applied? Or even when doubts come? Ultimately, Daniel's steady faith brought great honor to God. We go to the end of that chapter passage I did not read before. Chapter 6, verse 26. The king who had issued a decree to throw anybody in the lion's den that didn't only pray to him, now issues another decree. I decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues. He saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And so Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. As I close, I want to remind you of this fact. God is worthy of your worship and devotion. Not because He is good, but because He is God. Maybe that statement doesn't make sense to you. If you tie your devotion and your love and your faith to an immediate outcome, it is likely that it may fail. That's why our faith is anchored in a person, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do we all always understand his ways or the purposes? No, because as Jeremiah says, they're higher than our ways, as high as the heaven is above the earth. But Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, and he is worthy of our worship because he is God. So I encourage you to trust him. Wherever you are this morning, you say, well, faith is hard for me. It may be, but it's a choice and it's a response. And faith grows as it's exercised. It may be that you take one small verse, one small passage of the truth of the word of God, and you cling to it and it becomes Your phrase that guides you through this dark place. But as you practice faith and put your faith in the person of Jesus Christ, trusting him to forgive you, trusting him for life before God, inviting him to be the Lord of every situation, God promises the Spirit of God will surround you. And he says this, that he will work for the good of those who love him. Perhaps not the good that you imagined, but the good of those who love him. David, or rather Daniel, went through the ordeal and he emerged and God was glorified. How about you? Will you trust him? Let's bow our heads. Lord, Help us to receive your word this morning to understand that you are worthy of our praise. Not just because you are good, but because you are God. Lord, may you be the God of our past, the God of our present, the God of our future. The forgiver of our sins, the preparer of our lives of service, the one who gifts us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for every individual in this room and for those of us corporately that we will fulfill the mission to make a measurable difference for the kingdom of God. Increase our faith. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ and God's people said, The word of God says this concerning communion, which we are about to receive. For I receive from the Lord what I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night before he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. He goes on to say, and so let a person examine himself before he eats and drinks, that he will not eat and drink unworthily. We serve an open communion here. That means if you are a Christian, not necessarily a member of this church, we invite you to take the cup and the bread. As you make your way to the front to receive those emblems, I ask you to hold them until all have been served, and then we will pray and eat and drink together. But I also encourage you to use this time when you're moving down these aisles. Use this time to pray, Holy Spirit, examine my heart. Not for the purpose of excluding yourself from the table. That's the wrong emphasis. But for the purpose of finding the reconciliation and the love of Jesus Christ. Tom, Gary, would you come? In a moment, I'm going to invite you to come, but let's bow our heads for a moment and let His presence touch our hearts. First he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body. What a powerful, powerful word. God in flesh, subjected to the suffering, broken on our behalf, touched, aware that he might become for us a great high priest at the right hand of the Father. If you are in this room and you have brought a need for healing or encouragement or you're thinking of someone who needs the touch of the great high priest, I invite you to stand as a silent prayer as I give thanks for the bread. Thank you, Lord. All over this room, so many needs. And so we take this bread. We thank you for the body of Christ. We thank you for the incarnate one who was broken alongside of us, who suffered as we suffer and who is now the one who strengthens us. As we eat this bread, Lord, strengthen our faith. Renew us in the hope of the priesthood of Jesus who was and is our Savior, our brother. Thank you, Lord. The body of Christ shall we eat together. you're able to stand, I invite us all to stand as we take the cup. The new covenant. If your faith is in Jesus Christ, you stand as right with God today as you will ever be. Oh, not perfect, but being made holy. (laughs) A work in progress here on the earth but a finished salvation in heaven because of the covenant of Christ Jesus. So thankful for that. We thank you for this cup, Lord, and for the forgiveness that is ours through Christ, the reconciliation to you as our Father, and the restoration of our holy destiny. May we live as children of the Most High God, our faith set squarely, in the covenants that you have made, and the promise that is ours through Christ our Lord. In his name I pray. Blood of Christ, shall we drink together? Hallelujah. So grateful you chose to be with us today in this room, those of you who chose to be with us online. It's been my joy to speak to you the last couple of weeks. I'll see you in a couple of years. (laughs) I have no idea. I appreciate our pastor's confidence in me and willingness to allow me to stand before you. And I pray that God has used the word to encourage you in your faith. Here's the blessing. Take it with you as you go this morning. And now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, power and authority through Christ Jesus, our Lord, who was before all ages, who now is and who will be forevermore. Amen and amen. Go in peace. Live for Christ. We hope to see you on the Lord's Day.